I wake up when I realize the screaming is not a dream. The whole room is moving around, everything's slamming into each other. So of course, my first thought is earthquake. But then I hear the words again. Boys, I think we're going down. It's Sid, my skipper. I'm 22 years old, and this is my first fishing job. I'm lucky to have a job, but now the boat's going down. And my first thought is not fear or how to save myself. No, I'm a chichaco. My first thought is if I die on a fishing boat in Alaska, my mother's gonna kill me. <laughs> fishing had never been a dream of mine. I was like a lot of college-age kids. I came north looking for any kind of work. But one summer, working in a cannery was enough. And the company with the lucrative tree planting contract didn't hire women. So when I heard about a job down in the harbor, I just went down there and started working. There weren't many women fishing in Kodiak in the early 80s, but after working for free for several days, I got hired to fish on a boat called the Katrina for halibut. Everybody on board was under 40. Sid only read porn. Jim only read his Bible. He prayed before eating, and I noticed he was missing a finger. Sid wore a patch over his eye like a pirate. Matthew had a perfect girlfriend over on the mainland. He said that he was going to buy her sexy underwear if he caught enough fish. <laughs> he said that she was so perfect she didn't even shit. And if she did, she would poop birthday cake with his name on it. <laughs> My job was to bait hooks, hundreds and thousands of hooks that flew off the back of the boat on miles of line that sank down into a deep, dark other planet. Matthew and Jim used giant hooks, gaffs, two feet long to pull the big fish on board. Halibut the size of small children arrived were gutted, and then disappeared down into the hold. Everything was covered in blood. But we didn't sink. Nah, we went from near death back to full throttle, and I decided apparently the fishing life is an exciting life. Sid told me that if I was going to make it commercially fishing, I was going to have to be tough and stand up for myself. So I started fishing for salmon in the summers and herring in the spring. And then one winter, I found myself back on the Katrina in January, fishing for cod. The seas are nasty in January. I puke every time we leave the harbor. Nothing's glamorous. I find out that Sid's paying the guys on board more money than me, so I quit. Then he fires me. And then he leaves town pretty quickly, owing me money. But a few months later, a spring halibut opening had town hopping, and I caught Sid in front of the bank. And he smelled of fish. And the smell of fish after a halibut opening is the smell of money. And he owed me 100 bucks, and 100 bucks in 1985 was a lot. So I remind him. Of course, at first I think he's just gonna pay me. But then I find myself having to jog along to keep up with them as we're walking down the road. And I find myself having to remind him, Sid, you owe me. He completely ignores me until finally he admits 
that he's not gonna pay me and there's nothing I can do about it. And then he dismisses me with a wave of his hand like I'm some kind of pesky fly. Now at this point, I have been fishing, I have been working in Kodiak for three years. I've already been told that I can't plant trees because I don't have a penis. I can't butcher salmon in the cannery because I don't have a penis. And likely, I'm a good cocktail waitress because I don't have a penis. But nobody has told me they were going to cheat me right to my face. Sid scrambled up on the boat, and I was right behind him. And then one more time, he turned to me with the cheesiest smiles. He said, nothing you can do about it, girlfriend. But behind him, I saw a pile of freshly sharpened gaffs. And I found myself standing in front of them. The precious steel was silky to the touch. The points had been carefully filed. <laughs> Sid saw me as I started to lift them. But before his lunge could get to me, they were flying off the back of the deck. One, two, three, four gaffs in the Kodiak small boat harbor. <laughs> and I run. And I run like only a motivated 25-year-old can run. <laughs> and I was nursing my second cup of coffee in the Kodiak Cafe when the first uniformed police officer showed up at the door. Outside, there wasn't just one cop car. There was two and the harbor master. And it was the harbor master himself, not some junior ranger. And Sid was with him. And nobody had parked in regular places. They had circled up like it was the OK Corral happening right in front of the busiest cafe in town. Sid had his greasy coveralls on, the ones slick with fish slime, and his eye patch was a little crooked. And he's telling these guys, he goes, she's a stupid girl, a dumb bitch, a whore. But quite frankly, my red pants matched my flowered shirt, and I was wearing patchouli oil. When I wasn't working, my look was more flower child than Pollyanna. The harbormaster kept looking from Sid to me, and then finally when there was this lull, he started explaining in his preacher voice how we could sue each other in small claims court. Sid could sue me for the lost equipment, and I could sue him for the money he owed me. But we all know the courts don't always get it right. And I let loose with a few words that I can't repeat up here on this stage. But it made one of the cops laugh. And then he, in this total robo-cop voice, says, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. <laughs> but my next thought was my mother, because I was standing here in the middle of three cops, a harbor master, and a one-eyed screaming skipper that was trying to cheat me. And we were in full view of the busiest restaurant in this tiny town on an island in Alaska. And I know and knew that when my mother heard about this, this time she was really gonna kill me. 